Motherboard, proudly brought to you by Lidl's Loopy Lou, the new and extended baby range. I'm Avril Flynn and you're very welcome to the Motherboard podcast. This podcast series will feature real mums talking about the beautiful but hard work of raising children today. Joining me in studio is my little babo blogger and mum of four, Kelly Carney, Laura Doyle, who's also mum of four and runs the Love Life and Little Ones blog, and Joanna Fortune, who's a clinical psychotherapist and author of a fantastic new book called 15 Minute Parenting. You're all really welcome today, ladies. Um, so we're talking about a really interesting and very topical subject, motherhood and social media. So each of you ladies has a unique take when it comes to this matter. Some of you run your own blogs and obviously Joanna writing um, a book on parenting. Laura, I'll go to you first. You found social media to be huge support for you after the birth of your second little yeah, one. Yeah, I did. So um, my first I had when I was 21 and I chose not to breastfeed him. My second I had then at 26 and I chose to try and breastfeed her. So total different experience, um, something that I knew absolutely nothing about. I just uh, said I'd try feed her, popped her on and she fed and I thought, OK, what do I do now? So I found a group on Facebook. Um, there's about 20,000 members and any question I had any time of day I posted there and I found it a huge support and I actually found that that made for a successful breastfeeding journey for me um, I think any little question or any little kind of query that I had I put it up there and I was reassured straight away like somebody's always online and for me it was a really positive experience So in a way kind of social media is almost the new village it's where we're getting a lot of our support and a lot of our peer um, you know information from our peers about that Yeah for me it was you know um, and I, I felt as well it was a place that I didn't feel alone like I think when you're breastfeeding a newborn especially breastfeeding, it can be quite um, a daunting experience if you've never done it before. And if if you've nobody definitely in your house that's breastfed before or your family that's breastfed, I had nobody in my family that had ever breastfed, it can be quite lonely as well. You know, um, so to have a group there where I could go to um, definitely made me feel like I wasn't on my own. And John, I'll just bring you in on that. You know, that sort of peer support is so, so important. And yeah. but there's a fine line between kind of support um, and also kind of criticism or kind of a, turning into quite a negative, a ne- negative thing within within that. Absolutely. And I think, you know, what Laura's describing is exactly the healthy side of social media groups where you do have that arms wrapped around you saying you got this you can do this and it almost like a cheerleading team which is great and I think you have to put that in context that many of the voices that you are getting that support from while very well intentioned and meaning they're not expert voices and it's always worth remembering that you have a lactation nurse in your local health centre that you can also go to but of course that person who's servicing loads of people can't give you the kind of cheerleading support you'd get from a group. But I think you have to balance it out with if you've got a very particular question, you might get three or four suggested responses because it's all based on subjective experience. But I would always say that's great. Now double run that by 
the lactation nurse who can give you some impartial um, medical support and advice. But I do think as well, Avril, that like we know, we talk so much um, about, you know, when women have had babies about the risks of postnatal depression and mental health. But actually one of the biggest risk factors to new mothers, be that a first time mother or sim- simply someone who's just had a baby, is loneliness. And that is something that is so rarely spoken about. But loneliness is one of the biggest mental health issues new mothers face. So totally I really take what Laura's saying there, that there are so many pro-social benefits to being a part of a an online community. But again, I'd love that even if there's an opportunity and there often is in those groups that to find, does anyone live near you? And could you meet them in real life and in person? Because there's something different about the person to person contact when you're making eye contact and physically speaking instead of tapping, there's still something missing. Absolutely. And Kelly, what do you think about getting that balance right between your kind of online support life and actual real support life? How do you think that you find that balance? Because I know, you know, you're you've a very successful blog and obviously you've people making comments on things that you've, you know, said and that's slightly different between comments that they might actually say to you in real life. Um in the beginning, like, I used to struggle with it a lot. You know, if somebody said something negative or if I put something out there, um, even a blog post and they said anything about it, I used to struggle and dissect it and literally take every word from word apart. But now I'm just at a point where I'm just like, I'm very careful what I put up online. So I'm just very careful about, like, the way I word it, what I'm saying. And because, like, that with groups, people are dissecting everything you say, bringing them into groups taking them apart and you just don't want to see that. And particularly when, you know, both yourself and Laura, you're, it's a very personal blog. So yeah. you're, you're, you're making comments about your parenting style. And that's quite challenging because once you put something out there, you don't, you don't own it anymore. No, and and so the therefore, yeah, there's the positives of putting yeah. it forward. So, I mean, you must have had to develop, you know, both of you, quite a thick skin yeah. when you do put your online life out there. Yeah, over the years, I just kind of got to a point where I'm just like, I don't care anymore. That's fantastic. It's, though. I like if my kids act up, I'm out in the public and I know people see us when we're out on days out. Mm-hmm. And I do get messages saying, oh, my God, your kids were acting the maggot. And it was great to see because my kids <laughs> were that's too. Real life. Because that's real life. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. and it's great that you even put that out there. They're on social media that not kids aren't great all the time. They're not they're not Thai soldiers, Thai soldiers that like be well behaved all the time. And they that's do. that's something as well, John. That thing that that Kelly has brought up, real life mm-hmm. versus the online life. How do uh, you know the three of you and Laurel? I'll put this to you mm-hmm. first about influencers. So um, the way that you put forward real life versus you know. Um, online life, but also how you feel that you're impacted by by other people's blogs, and do you, do you find that, that that's a real uh, portrayal of what their lives are like, or does it have any relevance um, to you? I think that it it differs across the board. Um, I think personally, for me, I like to only kind of put out positivity, um, and it's something actually I I have been thinking about quite recently. I like to put out the positive aspects of my life. Personally, I, when I go online, I like to kind of switch off and, and, and enjoy what I'm watching. I don't like to see people kind of giving out about their day, giving out about their kids, because I do that all day, every day. You know, my kids act up and, and I, I don't want to watch kind of someone else giving out about their kids. So I like to just put the positive aspects of my day. Um, 
I kind of, if, if I'm having a bad day, I won't go online. And I, the next time I go online, then I'll say, you know, I was having a bad day, so I didn't come on. Like, I kind of won't try and pretend that my life is perfect. I will say, look, I had a bad day, but I didn't want to come on. I think that there is some influencers that kind of just show perfect all the time. And it's kind of misleading for people where they think that actually maybe my life should be like that. Like when they're only showing the good parts and they never kind of go, oh, yeah, okay, we had a bad day yesterday or this one was acting up yesterday. I think that that's unhealthy Mm -hmm. for people to watch that and think, okay, maybe I should I should be like that. Be like that. Yeah. And Johnny, you must see that kind of in your work mm. that that pressure that us as mums. I mean, I I I I have it myself. I have four week old at home. Amazing. So um, that I totally get that there is that huge pressure. Like one of the things that I found was um, seeing that picture of Kate Middleton when she had her last mm, baby no. and I thought that she that did us all such yeah. a disservice to see her when she's standing on the steps standing, you're all wondering you know, how many maternity pads is she wearing absolutely yeah. or um, <laughs> and you know and I do think you know you know you uh, both Kelly and Laura have you know such resilience but I think if somebody was a bit more vulnerable do you think that they could be really negatively influenced by seeing pressure from mother-like influencers to be a certain way. And if they don't reach that, then there's an isolation and pressure in that. Of course. I mean, this is part of the the pros and cons of online. If if you can take it or leave it, if you can check into social media and say, oh, that's interesting and that looks nice and I can fit that somewhere in my life and continue. But if social media and online platforms are make up most of your social engagement system. So if most of what you do in connecting with people is online, you're going to be much more influenced um, by the pros, the cons, the positives, the negatives, who's doing what, simply because you're spending longer on there and you're taking in more and more of that imagery and messaging. If it is a smaller part of your life and it isn't the only place you get your reassurance and it isn't the only place um, where you have relationships with other parents or, you know, with with other people, then I think it's going to be less less impactful. And less negative. Well, less negative because you can also kind of switch off. You maybe have less time to go online because you've got a commitment to go meet somebody or you've got to go and do something. So you're on the go more. But it, again, it comes back to loneliness. If, if you have identified that this is my online community, this is where I get my support, I think you could find maybe not every day, but on some days that the negatives are outweighing the positives for you. And you just can't control that because as Laura said, everyone has good and bad days. That's normal. And, you know, if but very often online and I had, you know, an extra look, you know, before we had this conversation at lots of people who are in this kind of sphere, a lot of it is really nice, positive, happy, shiny family life, life. Isn't always yeah. like, like that, it no. is and I do understand why people share that too by the way mm-hmm. no one wants to say here's me you know before I've had time to comb my hair getting out of bed um, because that's not endorsable that's content I like, that, that, I like that pictures. I like that yeah. I like seeing just real life I think you're an day. exception rather than the rule though yeah. I think the majority in, in that sphere do the nice glossy yeah because I wouldn't wear makeup images. every day so like yeah. I like to see people who don't do that as well yeah you know, of that course because kind of it's real to, if I see somebody with like three kids kind of perfect every single day I'm like oh I can't do that yeah you know? I'd be with you yeah. Kelly on that one I actually really respect like one, one of I don't follow um, you know 
hundreds of like super famous bloggers or anything like that. But one of them is, you know, Chrissy Teigen. But I actually think that she was she was kind of inspired me in that she gave a really realistic view that you can be rich, famous, beautiful and married to John Legend and still have stretch marks and be trying to pump on one boob, trying to breastfeed on the other. And I thought there was a real reality to that on Glassed. Kelly and Laura, what do you think? Kelly, is there anyone that actually really inspires you or you think gives a really um, unglassed and inspiring view of, of real motherhood? I really enjoyed when Mom Fitness Diary just had her baby. She, I think the baby's about three months old. When she mm. had the baby, she came on social media and she showed what her bump looked like a week afterwards. And it was a full on bump as if she was still seven months pregnant. And that's so realistic for parents to see because not a lot of people come out looking real skinny again. And it's just nice to see bloggers promoting that, that the body a more image, realistic a realistic and the, body image after having a baby and what about you um, I think Emer Varian Barry is somebody that I love to watch um, I think she kind of shows all aspects um, I love that sometimes she'll be online at 11 o'clock at night kids in bed just getting to my emails it's like okay I'm not the only person in the world that, <laughs> that works till midnight you know when the kids are in bed so I think that that's really um, inspiring and and I just want to go back on my other point like I I I do love to see people no makeup or, you know, in, in their tracksuits and, you know, bringing the kids to school. I think that's very um, relatable. But I ju- like to go back on my point, I just I like to see more of the positive sides of parenting because it inspires me to be more positive. Absolutely. I think if, if you're seeing somebody like, OK, we're getting out the door, we're doing this, we're doing that. I'm like, OK, I can do that, you know, and, and it kind of gets me out of a hump if, if I'm in one or if I'm having a, a day where I'm kind of not doing anything with the kids or I'm not feeling kind of that energetic, that it kind of will inspire me to do stuff with the kids or inspire me to get up off the couch. Absolutely. And John, I suppose that's the, ba- the the whole seeing life through any lens. There's the honesty, there's the, the actual real life. And I mean, none of us, I don't think, can, you know, have an unfettered access to anyone. But again, it's all about balance, isn't it, Joanna? It is about balance. It's about balance in how you interact and engage and present yourself online. But it's also about balance in terms of how much of your day-to-day life is taken up with social media platforms. It's slightly different when it's a work thing and it's actually what you do. And, you know, so you have to give a disproportionate amount of time to content uploading. But I think if you're somebody who is more a voyeur and viewing online, you can make that a part of your day and a part of your life. And then I think it could be really, really healthy. I think it is a balance. And I think one of the things you can do, what you were saying there, both of you actually, is in terms of being quite selective in who you follow. Mm. Like if you're not seeing content that makes you feel good about yourself or if you're aware doing a self-check-in going, you know, I don't feel very healthy or good about myself having watched that, maybe review who you're following and mix it up a little. Follow the glossy posters mm-hmm. and follow some of the real no makeup tracksuity posters and somewhere in the middle and have a selection because I think then you're actually taking control of your content. Yeah. And yeah. I suppose that's about fighting that insecurity. I suppose yeah. one of the points that we're trying to um I suppose, get across is that mums at home and I know myself definitely that I have looked at stuff and felt really insecure going, okay, these people have everything together. They're managing to hold it together (laughs) much more. And I'm like proud of myself because I got out of bed this morning. Um, And there's that there is a real insecurity with that. Kelly, how how would you if do you ever find that there's an insecurity by seeing people and they're seem to have it all all figured out. 
I think it be it works. It, it flips at me. I'd get a lot of people saying to me, like, you've four kids, you're working. You're well, you, I think you're amazing. And I think both of yourself and Laura, like, there's eight <laughs> children. They're just literally taking it hour by hour, day by day, and just, like, over my shoulder. I don't care if, if something goes wrong in the day. We just... We just go on with the day. And do you think that that there's to be able to be more and more relaxed? I mean, yeah. I'm sure that other people would. Be I think the more kids you have, the more relaxed you get. <laughs> because you've you just have time. to. Yeah, you, you have yeah. to be exactly. You have to be like. And Laura, would you agree with that? Totally. For me, you just don't have the time to be no, that worried. It's just one foot in front of the other for me. You yeah. know. Um, yeah. There's not enough hours in a day. Like you, like you said, there at twelve o'clock checking emails, and then like one o'clock you're scrolling to see what's happening for the day because that's the only chance you really get. Yeah, and, and that would go back to my point of why I kind of don't. Then when I have that time to kind of just, it's not work related, it's not blog related, that I'm just scrolling through my Instagram. I kind of don't want people to say, "Oh, I'm so tired," or "Oh, I've had such a bad day." I'm like, oh, "Me too." You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> get on with it. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah, I do like to see. Like, I see. I see both sides. I do like to see the real aspects of some people's motherhood and go okay like I'm not alone but I, I just want to be inspired you know yeah. when I have that time to and Joanna there was something very interesting that you said earlier about people doing a check-in so do you think one of the ways to combat insecurity or if you are feeling overwhelmed by what you're seeing online or if you feel that it's your online life is becoming a far too bigger part of you so as a mother you're constantly checking you're constantly online as you said getting more um, instead of less real interaction, getting everything from online. How would you go about, you know, mums listening at home, doing that check-in to see, uh, do you have the balance or are things out of whack a little bit? Well, mo- most smartphones, you know, in the settings um, will let you know how much of your time or battery usage is going I'd on I'd be terrified apps. to do that, actually. It is the most terrifying thing to <laughs> yeah. look at it, but it's really humbling at the same time because you might think, I don't do much social media checking and then your phone goes, liar, liar, pants <laughs> on fire. You know, so I think it can be really healthy to do that. But I think it's about a conscious thing and a pen and paper exercise, sitting down and making a plan of what you're going to do. And it might be that you are going to designate your social media time to a particular time. And it may be depending on the age of your children, you know, nap times or, you know, bedtimes or when they're doing their own free play stuff and you have those moments, the hot cup of tea moment of your day, (laughs) if anyone does get a hot cup of tea moment (laughs) of the day, that that might be when you do it. But otherwise you're going to be in the moment. And I I think it's lovely to hear things like, you know, that you're in the moment with parenting and it's one foot in front of the other, as you were saying, because really what that is, is about right here, right now, moment to moment, attuned parenting. Mm -hmm. And that's really what the best service any of us can give our children. Because I do think, with very few exceptions, most parents are doing the very, very best that we can. And there's going to be moments when we nail it and you're like, God, why did nobody see that? That really worked today. (laughs) And then there will be other moments when you go, this is not my finest hour. This is not (laughs) something I'm proud of. That won't be going in my one line a day journal, (laughs) you know, and whatever it is. Uh, But I do think that it's about giving yourself credit that Instead of looking at each of these moments as my highs and my lows collectively, did I get it mostly right most of the time? And good enough is good enough. And if we can all, if we can tick any of those boxes, then here, brilliant. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. And I think social media can aid that. But getting that message of good enough being good enough, you won't get that from social media. With the best will in the world, you just won't. No. That has to come from, from within inside. you. Yeah. yeah. And Laura, we're mainly talking about us as adults, but I mean, you have four kids and the oldest of whom is getting into a realm now where 
right? They're going to be exposed to the digital side mm. of life. How do you as a mom um, go about kind of monitoring or protecting them from or, or deciding what's appropriate for you as a blogger to post for them or, you know, include them in in your, you know, online life? Yeah, so I suppose that's, again, something that I'm just kind of starting to think a lot about at the moment. My eldest just turned nine. So for him, I, I really am limited in what I post, um, mainly because he's getting a little bit older and some of his friends are, are online and actually some of his friends follow me, which is just bizarre. You know, <laughs> okay. so... Yeah, yeah. So th- they're all kind of getting into Instagram and... So something you're very aware of. Really, too. really conscious of. So I personally, I will show him what I'm going to post. If it's a picture of him, I show him. Um, a lot of the time he really doesn't care, but it's just really important for me to go, this is a choice. Like, if you don't want this up, I'm not going to put it up. Um like the flip side to that, my four year old is all about social media, the Internet. Like she wants to vlog. She wants <laughs> she wants her own phone so she can vlog. <laughs> she's all about it. So she's like, put this up, mom, put this up. And I'm, you know, I'm kind of holding back a little bit from from her. So I just I, I ask them, really. So, you're, so you are seeking consent and Kelly, that's yeah, something same, that you feel yeah. very strongly yeah. about as well, that while you want to portray, you know, mum of four and these are your kids and this is, you know, a lot of it is your real life, but that there has to be a consent element of yeah. what you can post In about the beginning, them. I never did it. In the beginning, I just threw up whatever. But like as like that, uh, her little fella's getting older, mine is as well. So I'm kind of more conscious about what I'm recording, what pictures I'm taking. So with the eldest, my own daughter, I'm... I'm asking her before I publish it on social media or if I'm writing a blog post, I ask her as well. It's OK if I mention that. And she she's never said no. Mm-hmm. She, she, she's, but she, you're still asking. I'm and, still asking. And Joanna, that's a very important mm-hmm. thing, isn't it, about seeking consent? Because it's, you know, once um, something is out there, you do lose a certain amount of ownership of it. You lose complete ownership of it. And, and therefore you have to be quite mindful that, you know, things that are there, are there. Forever. And I think that's because again, I think it's really aunts. important that we do ask our children, especially when they're of an age, when they know cause and effect. So exactly, they like know that, yeah. exactly particularly when they're over seven, when a lot of that has kicked yeah. in. The only concern that I continue to have, and I because children bring this up with me in my clinic, you know, young children say, um, you know, my mum and dad give out about me on screens, but they put stuff about me up on their Facebook Which or whatever. Which is a fair it is. point, And they it? give out about it. The concern I have is even when they say, yes, that's fine to go up, at that age, developmentally, the permanence and longevity of online posting is completely lost on them. Because they're okay with it at eight and nine, it doesn't mean when they're 14 and they have more insight and reflective functioning and awareness of, oh, that's permanent, that's forever. They may wish to withdraw consent, which is each of our right to give consent and withdraw consent. And, you know, consent is such a big topic at the moment. We could go on and on about that and I don't want to, but we have to position a consent-based conversation very ethically in terms of if you said yes today, it's okay for you to change your mind and withdraw consent and have you a mechanism at your disposal where you can take down content. Yes, you can, but you cannot give your child a guarantee that it's going to that be it's taken gone because it. someone yeah, could have saved it, screen grabbed it, reposted. Mm-hmm. It's gone. Yeah, absolutely. So there may be a difficult teenage conversation. But you know what? Eyes wide open, you can see that coming and say, look, in that moment, in that time, 
I did what I believed was best and I this was a safe and fun image and there was no risk to you and you can talk about all the things that you did and that's that's the positive and you're also teaching a valuable lesson in that that you know we need to think through Absolutely. The long-term consequences. Just Facebook didn't exist when I oh, was Oh, so am I. My God, yeah. So that's the end of part one, but don't go anywhere because in part two, we'll be discussing anxiety and safety for not only ourselves, but for our kids when it comes to social media. Motherboard, proudly brought to you by Lidl's Loopy Loop, the new and extended baby range. Welcome back to part two of our Motherboard podcast. Laura, in the day-to-day running of your blog, do you ever get any negative comments or opinions from members of the public, um, you know, casting aspersions on what you're writing? No, never. Thankfully, I've never had any negative. That's um, so interesting, isn't it? Yeah. And as a mum of four, it's it's amazing to say that I've never had any negative feedback. And Joanna, that's one of the things. I mean, there's, there is a real anxiety. I know that certainly in stuff that I've posted, I have. You're always aware of kind of the, what I would call the keyboard warrior. So stuff that people would never dream of actually saying to you in real life. But certainly that people can write some pretty vitriolic and nasty stuff. Yeah. Um, and I know that a lot of people can be like desperately hurt because even if it is just online, it's still somebody saying something awful to you. And how, yeah. how, how can you kind of fight against that or cope with it? Like I, I personally think trolls should be taken on. I, you know, um, luckily enough, I'd be the same. I don't post a lot of stuff. So it would be all people that I would know. And um, they would actually probably say to my yeah. face anyway. But I know I would still be very hurt if somebody put something I, really nasty I think nasty you're right, up. because I think you can be robust and resilient. But, it, you know, it it does get you. The one negative comment out of 10 positive ones is the one that almost seems that little bit louder because we're human and we're wired to self-criticise and be quite difficult on ourselves. So it's almost when we hear it from someone else, it's like, there's my inner doubt voice coming back at me. I, I tend to look at it in a couple of ways. And I actually did a TEDx talk on how social media can be the ultimate shame game. And this is exactly the point in terms of the echo chambers that can form online. You can get a little cluster of voices that agree with you, particularly if you select who you follow the to like tell largest. you that you're right. And you can also then open it up on certain platforms. You know, anybody can follow you and anybody can say anything. I have a personal policy. I don't engage with people who use anonymous accounts or have haven't got their name on their account because that could be anyone. And if you don't have the courage of your convictions to put your name and, and say, say, I own are. this opinion, of then course. I'm not giving you my time to justify or explain or get into some kind of debate that, you know, isn't going to get us anywhere. On the flip side, if somebody does, and it does happen, I mean, frequently when I'm commenting, I'm giving an opinion about something Which from... Which people can either agree with exactly. or not. Exactly. So, you know, if somebody says, you know, I take issue with what you've said, here's how I interpreted it. And they come at it in that way. I'm very happy to speak with someone and go, that's really interesting. I didn't consider it from that point of view. And in that kind of an exchange, I feel I can walk away with your head held Wealthier, high. Wealthier because absolutely. I may have learned something and I may be taking from that going, that's such an interesting viewpoint. I really didn't think of it that way. And now I'm able to change. So again, there's what, balance. And that's learning. That's what's important. Kelly, what do you think? Have you ever had any negative comments on stuff that you've written or how do you um, deal with that? Um, I've had quite a few negative comments, like most recently. Um, my little girl has a, she has a speech delay. So I was talking about one day on Snapchat and someone just came back to me and said, well, if you weren't on Snapchat and sitting down talking to her and she wouldn't so have very the judgy today. and very, very OK. And I was and like, that must have hurt. It did, because like at that moment, the two kids were napping. 
one of them one of them was in preschool and another was in school so I was literally sitting down on me Todd like it wasn't as if I was ignoring my kids while on Snapchat so that was the first but you really felt judged I by got, this it really hit person, me and yeah. I was like and then I went to follow the person to see if they were up and they blocked me so I was like I'm not even going to entertain it but hurt it did hurt because mm-hmm. I was like they don't know how much I'm sitting there with snap cards how much I'm reading to her how much I'm interacting or trying to bring on her words like and they were just judging me in that moment. And I suppose that's one of the problems, isn't it, with kind of online life is that you don't you have... Don't you don't see everything. Exactly. You don't. And you can't defend, yeah. defend yourself to these kind of yeah. nasty people. Um, but again, you have to kind of accept that as well as the positives, there can be that, that negative from people. Um, yeah. But as you said, Joanna, mm-hmm. that... You know, people who don't put their name to stuff, and I would feel the exact same. I would hope that I can stand over stuff that I have written or I would say. And I make it a policy never to say anything negative online. I just don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's particularly fair and I don't think it's constructive to the conversation. I don't think anyone needs to be taken down a peg or two and if so, I, I, I have a personal opinion that unless you're willing, you'd be willing to say it to their face, mm. then why do you think it would be appropriate okay, send it to, to type it online? And I, yeah. think, and I think that's Hide really... your screen. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's a really good way for me personally of actually finding out whether something is appropriate or not. It's like, would I actually say this to the yeah. person's face? If I heard them say that or do that, would I actually say... Mm. And if, if I can't stand up, I was like, well, then don't say it. What do you think, Laura? Would you I totally say? agree. And I think as a poster as well, like if you can stand by what you're posting and you're confident in what way you parent or what you're doing or what picture you're posting or what content you're posting, if you can stand by that, then you can kind of say to a negative comment, oh, that's interesting. Like I didn't see it that way because you're confident in what you've posted, you know. So I think that that would be my approach if somebody did give me any negativity to say, OK, you know, I see it from your point of view, but this is why. I feel this way, you know, um, and I think that's really important. And Kelly, is have you ever had to stand back and actually kind of take a step back from any of the platforms that you've used because you just felt, you know, this is not actually working for me? Yeah, I recently left Snapchat. Um, on the day I left, I had three and a half thousand followers. I, I was, con- first of all, I was constantly on it. I found that every time I looked, every time I even think back, I was constantly handing the phone, watching people, seeing how many people were watching me daily. And getting um, positive or negative based on, yeah, you know. I was like, my yeah. numbers are growing and everything. And it was just, it all went to my head. It basically all went to my head. My phone, I was having issues with my phone as well at the time. So stuff was uploading. It was up- uploading back, backwards and it was really, and stressing and I was, I was, yeah, and I was deleting, deleting posts and then re-uploading them and everything. So they'd be, I just, I was addicted, completely got addicted. So I, just said to myself one day, that's it, I'm leaving. And I I was on Insta stories at the time, but I wasn't posting as much. So I just went over to Instagram and I don't, I haven't been on, I the only time I ever go over to Snapchat is to reply to the odd comments because there is people over there that I would have had, it, I've built relationships with and I would, I would talk to. So but I kind of go over, yeah, yeah so I, I go over to mess, message them back and forth because they're not on Instagram and I've met them through my blog. So um, that'd be the only reason I go over, but I don't post or, yeah, I'm, 
I'm, I'm over Snapchat completely <laughs> and utterly. And John, I think that's very important to be able to take a step back, isn't it? And actually yeah. have a bit of a, a detox. detox. Yeah. yeah. And, and recognise, like, like Kelly did, yeah. say, this is not adding anything. You know, it's actually taking up a negative space in, in my life and my time. Yeah. How do people address it? How do people go about actually doing a digital detox? And it's, how often should you do like it? It's like ripping a Band-Aid off. You just have to do it because <laughs> if you give your, oh, I'd love to do that now. It doesn't suit me now and it doesn't suit me then. And you'll always find a reason not to. I was doing a school talk for secondary school girls in this, um, but I've actually done this with um, boys and girls, boys schools, mixed schools, you know, across the urban rural divide. And I've repeated this experiment. I was, if a school is bringing me in, it's generally because somebody's having trouble online. There's been cyberbullying or there's been naked selfies or something going on. Um, so I was Hit in and I, naked oh, you know, they'll get you every time. <laughs> but I think, you know, that I was in talking about things like empathy. And when I brought that word up, and these would have been typically kind of second third year. So that kind of 14 to 16, 14, 15 year old age Very vulnerable, very tender, a lot of feelings, a lot of hormones. And I said, you know, about empathy and a hand went up in the room and I was asked, you know, what do you mean by empathy? And I said, okay, well, that's like I can feel in me something that knows that feeling in you. So if you're crying, for example, I feel sad that you're sad. And they just roared laughing at me and said, nobody does that. Nobody feels each other's feelings. And I'm like, wow. no, guys, they really do. This is a That's thing. This terrifying. happens. It is. But at the same time, it's information because that is the first age group that has grown up never able to say before screens or before social media. They've literally grown up on it. Yeah, it's it's actually just a and constant part of their up, life. Because like the University of Michigan did a 30 year study. And in the 10 years between 2000 and 2010, they know noted a 40, like 40% decrease in empathy levels of college entry age, which is 17 to 19 year olds. That is the birth and rise of social media yeah, in our lives. That is so kind I'm not of, saying it's is, causation, yeah, but, but there's a definite terrifying. correlation that we need to pay attention to. And a to. relationship between both of those Completely. things Completely. The so rise of one and the, the lack. As part of my school of talks, I always put a challenge out and, you know, young people are so beautifully honest. And I say, you know, who is prepared for 10 consecutive days to turn their phone off, not to silent, but power it off from 8 p.m. to 8 a.m.? when technically you should be switching off and going to sleep anyway, I'll get out of the room maybe a 10% take up. And At they'll say, I'll honest, try it. Though, oh yeah, the others will say, I'm not going to tell you I'll do it because I definitely won't, you know. Yeah. And when I follow up with the 10% who do it, they report noted positive changes, better sleep, better concentration levels, feeling more positive about themselves and their relationship with their parents, uh, more positive about friendships. The downside is they feel they've missed out on a lot, which is quite frightening that so much social activity can happen in those sleep hours. But they do notice the differences. Do any of them keep it up? I don't know. But the point is, doing it is a healthy thing. So I would say the best way to do it and how I do it is I delete the social media apps from my phone because I don't know the passwords and I will never sit down at a computer and log on. I can feel the hairs (laughs) in the back of my neck, you know, actually standing up. Are you crazy? Why would I need to do that? I don't need to do that. But I know myself, I mean, I, there wouldn't be a day that would go past that I wouldn't check um, certain I bet you don't sites. even know you're doing it. It's mindless. It's, yeah. yeah, it really yeah. is mindless. And I suppose one of the things that I find terrifying is that you always have access to it. Um, 
one of the things I've seen some people do is instead of having a smartphone, they have a dumb phone. So a phone oh, yeah. that literally makes and takes calls. I have one of those. Which which I think is... The battery lives forever. I only have one <laughs> at festivals, so I can't <laughs> set a festival phone for that, for that, for that exact purpose. So I suppose one of the things that, that's quite interesting is that there is no switch off. So with ourselves having access to our online life and also for our kids, online life having access to them, it's how you get that, you know, that balance and how um, you protect them, I suppose. Um, Laura, have you ever had with any of your kids, there's actually something negative happening here? Yeah. And what would you do about that? Yeah, so um, my nine-year-old he he probably for the last year has been asking about a phone and to go on social they media all are at that age mm-hmm. isn't it they all yeah. want you know and if, if they, and some of his friends have and that's you know, the problem and, when peers have it it's so difficult yeah. to say no isn't so, and it and that's where it starts you know and it's difficult for them to understand because this boy has it or that girl has it and why can't they have it so for me it's terrifying um personally I was bullied in school and I switched school and for me then that was it the bullying was was gone I never encountered the bullies again I never actually saw them again in my life because they were literally because once you move school that was it they were gone whereas with any social media it's never off so they have access to you 24 7 and that's my biggest fear you know when when it's on your phone or it's on an ipad it's it's everywhere you go you could move country and the bullying will still be there so for me at the moment, it's just a complete ban on social media or a phone for him. Um, he had a little game. And that's a tough parenting decision to make, isn't it? Yeah, and it's not one that's um, welcomed lightly <laughs> by him. Yeah, he's not thanking you for no, it. No, and trust me, it's actually harder on the parent than the child because I'm still hearing it every single day that he wants it or that his friends have it or, you know, how unfair it is on him, you know. Um but he had a little game on his iPad, um, a harmless game, I thought. And he could play with a couple of his friends that, that lived in our proximity. And I kind of just had a look at it one day, not re- realising that there was a chat on it. And um, So alongside the game, they're, they're typing yeah, or talking they're to typing. each other. OK, so can make comments and that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, now okay. it's just it's kind of like a WhatsApp kind of format so all kind of harmless like just about the game and you know as eight-year-olds go and then then my son obviously had done something to another boy's game and then it started to get a little bit nasty and um it kind of had turned into nobody call for Kyle today let's kick Kyle out of the game let's delete him from our group in the game and he kind of hadn't replied and when I said it to him he actually was really upset over it so it just, it was alarm bells in my head. I deleted the game. That was it. Um, and and from that moment, I, I kind of was confident in my decision that I don't want him on social media. I feel like his, him and his age group are just way too young to even understand the consequences of comments like that. I don't think that they realise what they're saying. You know, he, he obviously had annoyed another eight-year-old now. Bear in mind, they're all eight. Um and yes, they, they're little kids. Yeah. I mean, they don't, yeah. the, the intent, no. and I suppose, John, that's the thing, isn't it? With little people, they don't, the intent mightn't be to actually bully or upset. Exactly. It's certainly in the classic bullying as we understand it, because when children are immersed in this online world, this virtual reality, and particularly for prolonged periods of time, and don't forget for a young developing brain, a prolonged period of time is anything above 30 uninterrupted minutes. Now, these days, everything pauses and it's always an idea to go, "Mm, they've been on that a little while. 
pause, get them to come in and do something in the real world, person to person, touch based interaction with you and then send them back. And at least you're breaking the momentum. But if you're immersed in that kind of stimulation, which is cognitive, virtual, it's all up here in your brain. It is putting you in that the the virtual world has become your real world. That line between fantasy and reality is very, very fine for a young child. And so in that moment, when a, a young child is perceived to have made an error in a game that maybe has cost me something or I now didn't get the outcome, the result that I believe I could have gotten, my instinct will be to lash out. I'm hyper stimulated. I'm hyper aroused. None of us make our best calls. Like if any of us sitting around here are in a hyper aroused state, it's usually when we decide we're going to call our mobile phone provider and <laughs> have a go at them about our customers. <laughs> we don't make our good decisions in that state of arousal. Neither do children. Children. So it's very easy that they're, they get hyper aggressive and they lash out. But then when they've come down and calmed down and if you were to say, do you know how you made your friend feel? They themselves may be quite shocked to go, what? I didn't say that. And again, I that's the worrying that. thing we were talking earlier about the lack of empathy. You yes, know, exactly. The, and Kelly, how do you do any of your kids have access to social media or in the future as they get older? How do you think that you're going to control that? So at the at the moment we have got an iPad in the house, but last year there was three. And okay, my kids, so you've taken it at yeah, down. My kids at the time would have been one, two, three, and seven last year, and we had three iPads in the house. Um, I don't know what I was thinking. But I think lots of parents at I home just, will be the same. Yeah. I mean, it is such a temptation, isn't it? That, yeah. You know, it's... I got lots done. Yeah, and there is that real temptation. I mean, I know myself, um, like, in fairness... My son is only four weeks old, so I think I'll hold back for at least another week, maybe, to give him a go. He's very advanced, you know, those little tiny fingers can mash that keyboard several times. But it's something that I have really thought about. And one of the things that I have tried or, or will continue to do is that I don't actually show his face Um. To be honest, he's a, he's a four week old. He's not going to be on you know, the side of buses just yet. <laughs> and his modelling career is yet to take <laughs> off. But it's a, it's a decision myself and my husband kind of said to me, because although I'm making decisions to put stuff out there, I don't know if he will want that. And I'd be very conscious of, you know, we're all terrified, as you said, Laura, earlier, mm. of being like the best mums that we can be. Mm. Um, and as you said as well, Joanna, that we are all actually trying to be the best we can be. And for mm. me, the best I can be is making decisions, not just for now, but for the future. So like you said, Kelly, removing a couple of the iPads yeah. and mm. actually digitally, doc- physically digitally detoxing yeah. the house. My kids basically have to earn the rewards get onto the iPad at this point now. Okay, that's really interesting. So um, they have chores, all of them, even the two-year-old might be just picking up our toys or helping me with the dishwasher. Those little hands are great for getting up chimneys. (laughs) 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 You know, they can get all those dirty places and, you know. But I do, I do get them together for 10, 15 minutes and like we literally sing clean up like lunatics around the house and we get, get the work done and then... They, they basically share the iPad between them. So like, let's say if I'm cooking dinner, I might give it to one and she'll get it for 20 minutes to half an hour. Now, it's not every day. They don't get it every day, mm-hmm. but I'm just that's getting so strict with it because really I notice, yeah, I'm going very mm-hmm. conscious about it because I notice the change in behaviour, mm-hmm. especially my my little fella. Um, he's, a so, he's a really, really soft, gentle kid, but when he has the iPad, his temper is... I've, 
I've, n- I've never seen him like that before. It's when he gets engrossed in the iPad and I'd say, it's time to go. And he literally looks up at you like the devil as if to say, what? Mm-hmm. And Joanna, that's that hyper alert stage, it is, isn't it? Is. It brings outside. Children, young children don't self-regulate their emotional states. They co-regulate. I'm a fully grown adult and I don't self-regulate. <laughs> you know, it takes some people their whole so. lives to work that out. <laughs> but, you know, it's why if they lose it and we lose it with them, there's no... There's no winning that it just, battle. It, it escalates because they can't co-regulate with our rage. But if we can stay somewhat calm, you won't stay completely calm. You'd be a saint. But if you could stay calmer than them, they can downward regulate with us. But these digital devices work against that. So they keep them hyper stimulated so that when we come in, believing quite reasonably, you've had this long enough, now it's time to stop. They experience that as happening to them. They didn't see the end coming. Like for young children, if you say you've 10 more minutes, time is so abstract. You may as well say you've two weeks. Like it means nothing. So I would kind of encourage people to use, you know, like the, uh, the you know, like massive egg timers, 15 minute That's egg timers. That's what I do. <laughs> and you say so to them when all the yeah. sand it's hits the bottom, it's visual. Time. Yeah. Okay. And you're putting it in their visual field and they see their time going. They're coming down. So when they come off the device, they're coming down gradually as opposed to feeling you've taken it from from them. them. That's a great idea because my nine-year-old, he plays his PlayStation and that's his kind of reward. But... He's probably played it for the last year, like, and every single time I always say you've got 10 minutes left. He plays a game where where it kind of dwindles down from 100 to, let's say, one person left. So he does need that kind of 10 minute um, warning because I I can't just turn it off. Like, um, and every single time that I say, okay, 10 minutes, and he says, okay, mom, and he plays and I say, okay, 10 minutes is up. And it's like, I've never said it. It's like, exactly. he, he's never heard that warning before. So that's a great idea because there's always rage when he comes off that, regardless of if he gets two warnings, 10 warnings, or he says that he won't, you know, be angry when it's turned off. There is always it's rage. It's because they're always. all up in their heads yeah. in, in that kind of activity. And it's all of this cognitive overstimulation. And when you're asking them then to stop, it's like this huge switch from mm. up in my head to down in my body feelings. Right. So you get a meltdown, which is quite different from a tantrum. And in a meltdown, I am sensory overstimulated to yeah. the point that I cannot yeah. regulate. And you've no control. And I have no control. There could be no one in the room. There could be 500 people in the room it doesn't matter yeah. to me so I, I have no to control exert control you, you, you actually ha- you know to actually keep exactly. the control on one of the things I've seen I've seen and one of my friends did and I think it's brilliant is they changed the Wi-Fi code oh yeah and you have to earn the code um, and you have to earn, earn the, the code, code which I just think I might actually do that great for all the kids I think that's brilliant <laughs> yeah. Yeah. such a gives them a list of chores yeah. Yeah. there you go yeah, and I mean yeah. I, I suppose that, that there is taking that control back yeah. um, thank you so much guys that has been really really interesting hope our listeners have gotten lots out of it thank you to my lovely panel for joining me today and for being so open and honest and thanks to all of you for listening we'd love to hear your feedback so please rate and review the motherboard podcast on itunes finally don't forget to join us next month when we'll be talking about the wobbler and toddler years take care motherboard proudly brought to you by lidl's loopy Lee, the new and extended baby range